Just jump in. Um, this morning I was talking about who wasn't, who was here this morning? Let's see, I just want to get a sense. Cool. Recap quickly. Um, this morning I was talking from Matthew 6, uh, 1 to 18. And pretty much I just touch on three verses that are in there and then give a little bit of shape. And 6 3. Uh, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing, so tie it behind your back or something like that, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And Jesus uses this phrase three times there in verse 6 again. When you, so when you give in secret, your Father will reward you. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Then in verse 17, when you fast... Put oil on your face and wash your face, or when you fast, shower, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Um, this time of year, each year, we set aside time as a staff to do the planning for the following year. But that's more than just putting together our calendar and working out what events we're going to do and, and all that. In actual fact... Um, one of the things that, that's a key value to us is uh, not program, but presence is more important than program. And program only exists to support the hosting of the presence of God. And the presence of God is much more vital to us than a program. And I'm, I'm always happy to throw a program out the window if it means that we can just host more of his presence. And so when, we, when I say we sit down and look at what we're doing in the next 12 months, the key aspect of that is what is the presence of God doing and what is God doing in that and how can we join together with him in that? Now, one of the things that I think is really, really neat and will be really neat for us is I don't want us just to do that as a staff and have the rest of the church sit outside that whole process, but... God's desire for us and God's desire for you is that next year is your best year ever. God's heart and his plan for you is that 2017 will be so much greater than anything else you've ever experienced that there is more of heaven that he wants to reveal to you, more of himself that he wants to reveal to you, more plans and purpose that he hasn't shown you yet that he wants to take you into. And that next year he wants that to be your greatest year yet. And so it's really important that we set time aside to actually, I guess, position ourselves to receive from heaven what's needed so that we can walk in that. What's needed, first of all, is that we hear from heaven on what that looks like and we get God's vision of it rather than what our vision of it because often what we see and what we think is going to be really good is, is pretty ordinary and, and God has so much better ideas in store and... Um, that, that's, that's really cool. And yeah, that's not a good illustration. Don't, don't go there. Um, my brain does weird things every so often. and it's, uh, People call them brain farts at times. So I just did that. And, and so that's what we're going to do. Not this week, next week. We're going to go into that, and, and we're going to do that as a church. And Jesus laid out in Matthew 6 three steps about what's actually receiving from heaven and heaven's reward into our lives. And three things that are disciplines in ourselves, which are really important, and that's giving, praying, and fasting. And um, so often we probably know a lot more about prayer and, and giving than we do about fasting a lot of the time. And um, tonight I just want to maybe touch a bit more on fasting, but 
week after next, so starting next Sunday for a week, as a church, we're going to give ourselves to some time of prayer. And so each day we're going to meet at 7 and 7, and one morning in there I'll get up even earlier for the 7 a.m. workers and meet at 5 a.m. And, um, and, and connect with that, and we'll do some prayer. And each day pray into specific aspects of the church, but what I want people to do is not so much that you guys come and tell us what we're going to be doing as a church, but individually, let's hear from God individually, but let's also corporately hear from God and corporately believe from God for what he's doing for us. And, and so we're going to give times to prayer. We're going to look and, and pray into uh, that week as well what our giving is going to be in the following year because God's promise to us is as you give, you will prosper. And, and so one thing I do each year is I, I pray about a, a special gift to bring into the house of God, but also just reflect on and go, Lord, do you want me to go above the 10% and, and, and do that? And, and so what, one thing that practically that helps us budget, which is really cool so that we know what we can do as a church in 2017, but also it just aligns our lives up. And so in that week, I, I, my heart for our church and, and for you guys and for myself is that we spend time reflecting on God and what our giving could look like in 2017 and how we can give into that. And then another part of that is spend time actually fasting. And so what I mean by fasting is letting go of our reliance on earth and putting our hunger towards heaven and spending time in there. And this isn't about bending heaven's will to us. This is about positioning ourselves underneath so that we can receive heaven's will. There's something really significant about fasting and um, all through the Bible, there's many stories of, of people who fasted that actually got connected with God's will. And, and uh, I think this is, I oh know, we have so much yummy food, and it's just a really difficult thing to do. And even as I was preparing this morning's message, for those that are here, you heard me say when I was writing it, I wrote the first bit about prayer and giving. And then when I started writing about fasting, my stomach just started grumbling. And in church this morning, when I knew what I was going to be talking about, my stomach just started grumbling. Cause I'm, and even tonight, I was sitting there going, I just want to eat right now, and, and I'm just getting hungry. And just thinking about the idea of giving up food is a, is a difficult challenge. I don't, for me, it's, it's hard, and I don't know if it might be easy for you. And if it is, that's really neat. Bless you. Um, but for the rest of us, food's really good. And, but there's something extremely significant about giving it up for a period of time that really catches on to heaven. I mean, not in an unhealthy way. I mean, there's a whole, I've dealt with a whole bunch of people over the years that, that give up food for the idea of trying to shape their body image um, with it. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about shaping our spiritual image and, and shaping our, uh, who we are in Jesus and, and receiving everything that we have from heaven. I, I think Daniel just illustrates it really well, not just Daniel, but Daniel in the Bible. And uh, in chapter 10, he sits there and he's really concerned for Israel and he starts praying for Israel and it says at that time he gives up all, all choice drink, he gives up meat and gives up bread. He lives on vegetables and water. And he says, for 21 days, I'm just going to eat this. And then after 21 days, the archangel Michael appears to him and says, you know, when you first started praying, God heard you. It's taken me 21 days to actually knock through the enemy's plans and the resistance to bring you the message and the answer. And so what that says is we're not shaping heaven when we give up food. So we think, I'm going to sacrifice, and God will see my sacrifice, and because of my awesome sacrifice, he's going to bless me and love me even more. No, Daniel gave up that and entered his fast so that he was positioned to receive the answer from heaven. The answer came on day one. 
but he, need, he needed 21 days to position himself in that. And so my challenge to the church is maybe you've never fasted before and, and never given up food, at least do one meal during this time and devote yourself in that time to hearing something of heaven. But one of the things I see over and over again in Scripture is three-day fasts are, are specifically like vital in there, and there's something that happens. It's like something extra gets positioned in ourselves after three days. And um, But I'm, I'm not going to dictate what this might look like for your life. And maybe in future years we do, we say this is the type of fast we're going to do as a church. But really, I'm going to let you make that decision for yourself and God because I, I want you to commit to it and do something that's going to actually work for you and not sit there and go, well, I'm going to go seven days without food and just drink water, and then get to like Monday afternoon and go, dude, I'm just starving, and then you break it, and then you feel guilty and all that stuff. No, I want you to do something that works for you and that you can go, I'm going to do this. And maybe it's giving up one meal. Maybe it's giving up a meal each day within that time. And, um, or maybe it's doing the thing where just during daylight hours you don't eat. Or maybe it's for three days in there I'm, I'm not going to eat. Or one day... But I want you to spend some time this week just listening to God and just going, what, what would this look like for me and what can I commit to? To position yourself and also so corporately we can walk under that. But I just want to, I guess, talk a little bit tonight on just a, a little bit around that and, and shape a bit around that. I remember uh, um, the first youth camp I ever went on with this church, I think we were at Christmas Creek. Were you at that one in 99? Down at Christmas Creek? Um, I think, actually, I think your um, in-laws were there as camp parents on that camp. 99. Yeah, we're down. Sorry? Uh, it was Easterish. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, beginning of 99, we went, uh, first youth camp I went on with the, with the church, went down in Christmas Creek, and we had some cabins uh, down in there, and um, it was really, really neat, but... I just really wanted to get something out of God. And more than that, I wanted the young people to get stuff out of God because oh, this is really cool. So I decided to go on camp. And um, I'd been on some youth camps before. And, and so I knew I really wasn't giving up too much. And I decided to fast over camp. And uh, I, I knew sometimes when you go on camp, fasting on camp is not necessarily a bad idea. When Ivan and Rex are cooking, it is a bad idea. Um, you don't want to fast on those camps. But the camps I'd experienced before that, fasting wasn't necessarily a bad move. It, it was probably a smart move. And so anyway, I was, I was fasting on this camp, and, and they had this creek that called Christmas Creek. Amazing. And so there was this creek that ran down the back of the, the property where we were staying. There was a hall and a few cabins around and tennis courts. So whilst meals were on, I'd be down in that creek, and I'd be praying because I didn't want to be around food. Because if I was around food, I'd get even hungrier. There's tip number one when you're fasting. Don't hang out at the food court at the Hyperdome. Not good. Don't even drive past kefirs or anything like that. You know how that salt, fat smell just comes in the car and you're like, sorry? Work at kefirs. You don't work at kefirs. Work in food. Bless you, brother. And um, some of us are more challenged. I've, I've got to walk past the Chinese shop when they're cooking and... Uh, with that. Anyway, so I was down in this creek and, and praying and, and just listening to God, and I wasn't even prepared for it, but um, 
I don't, I don't know, maybe if you're 16, 17, and maybe you're a little bit like me at that time, but I got to this point when I was 16, 17 that I, I really got a little bit um, claustrophobic with my mother in, in, in some ways. Um, it's sort of, I was wanting my independence, I'm like, I just want my own space, I want my own things, just get away, family, I don't, and I don't know if you felt like that, but I felt like that, and so I moved out when I was 17 and moved from sunny coast to Logan, because that's what you did, you moved from sunny coast to Brisbane and you started studying and went to uni, and you guys live where there's universities, so you don't do that same thing, I, well, now if you're on sunny coast, there's a uni there, so you don't do the same thing either. Anyway, so I moved down when I was 17, and I remember the day I moved out, I'm outside on the driveway packing the trailer, and Pete writes there, and we're loading up some gear, and I was moving in with Pete, and um, I remember mum coming outside going, no, you're not moving out, you're not going anywhere, because she just wanted me at home, and I'm like, yes, I am, I'm getting out of here, and, and, and running away, and... Really excited to move out. And for the first few months, it was really exciting. It just felt like I was staying over a mate's house for three months. It was really neat. But I remember on this camp praying and just really praying for the youth on the camp and praying for God to intervene. And then all of a sudden, I think it was like the Sunday morning after two days of fasting, I'm down praying in this creek. And this presence of God just hits me. And all of a sudden, I just get overwhelmed with this absolute love for my mum. And it just knocked me from the side. I, I wasn't expecting it. I, I wasn't looking for it. It wasn't anything to do with what I was praying for, but it was heaven's intention. And my heart melted, and God used that to really shape me and shape just such a, a deep connection. And, and through there, I, I gained an understanding and a, an appreciation for where it says, honor your mother and the father that you can live long in the land, and when it talks about live long in the land that God gives you, it means the promises of God for your life. And um, I remember years later actually sitting there and, and God talking to me about um, this verse again and, and speaking to me about this verse, I'm like, and God said to me, you've done this. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, he spoke to me and said, well, you know when you got hit by a car when you were 14? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, that was meant to kill you. But because you honored your mom, you it didn't. I'm like, what do you mean on my mum? I, I was pretty rotten to her at times. And he's like, well, do you drink? No. Do you smoke? No. Do you drink Coke? No. Um, that's all because mum said, don't do these things. And, and you did that. And so I was like, wow, that's amazing. And after that, I called my mum up and said, hey, I've just been in the presence of God. And he's talking to me about this. And she's just started crying. I'm like, what's going on, mum? And she's like, oh, God was just talking to me about exactly the same thing. And it's just this really neat moment. And so I just got side-smacked in this fast by heaven's agenda and totally shaped. So I went out from there and Mother's Day wasn't too much longer and so I brought mum this, um, this chain and locket and everything and we had this really special connection and, and I guess rebuilding of our relationship and it was this real God moment. And um, uh, fasting does other things as well. It's amazing because it's heaven's reward. And so well, one of the times I was down in the creek praying during that camp, all of a sudden these four young girls, these four 14-year-old girls came out of the hall and they started heading towards the dorms but they weren't heading towards the girls dorms they were heading towards the boys dorms and so I'm in the middle of praying and so I walk up through the campsite with my spiritual hat on and um, they're just about to enter the boys dorm and I'm like what are you guys doing and I look around and I'm like oh. and um, young Mandy McManus as she was then and she's like who fasts on camp 
Really? Who Because they're sneaking in to do some pranks on the boys' dorms and pull their clothes out and stick them everywhere and just do some nasty stuff and all these things. Yeah, the girls just got so grumpy at me because I'd caught them just before they could prank anything and they were going into my cabin, so I'm glad that it wasn't, that I was there and I I could save it. So God rewards you when you do these things. My clothing was saved at that point and uh, but yeah these 14 year old girls were quite grumpy at me who fasts on camp you're meant to eat and really enjoy it so I don't know whether you've fasted or not or, or if you've got experience with that and and different things but there's a whole bunch of stories in the Bible and I just want to pick one up um, tonight and just look at a couple of things from it because I, I just as I've been looking at this and reflecting on it, I'm realizing more and more how much in the Bible this exists, and I'm realizing more and more about the power. And so in, in Ezra chapter 8, and so what's going on in Ezra is, um, beginning of Ezra, what's his name? Zerubbabel, one of the cool names of the Bible. There's a challenge for someone when they have, yeah, name, challenge for someone, name your child Zerubbabel. And um, that would just be, that would be neat. Yeah. Anyway, so Zerubbabel gets this heart and this passion um, to go back and, and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. So what's happened is for 70 years, uh, Israel has been captive by Babylon. They haven't been in their own country. It's like New Zealand's captured us and taken us all back to New Zealand. And we're, we're working the sheep pens and looking after the Kiwis and different things like that, and that's probably a little bit racist, so I'll stop there. And <laughs> I'm sorry, did I offend you? Yeah, cool. Um, but it's just like we've invaded New South Wales and taken them captive and brought them back to Queensland and, and, and made them look after us for, for 70 years. And, and, and so Zerubbabel gets this passion to go back to his own, his own land and, and to see what's going on. And so uh, at the time, King Cyrus allows him to go back and, and they take a small group of people back and they go back to Jerusalem and he, he weeps and he sees that the whole place is just broken down and the whole city's been laid to ruin. And so they grab the different families and they start rebuilding the wall and there's a whole bunch of opposition that goes around the wall and they, so they stand on and so they're building with their sword in hand, rebuilding the wall because people are coming against them trying to fight them and and knock them down while that's happening. And so they rebuild the wall and rebuild the temple over the next 60 years. 20 years, about 23 years, sorry, that goes on. And that that happens up to chapter 6 in Ezra. Then about 60 years pass from there and we get to chapter 7. And at that point, Ezra... Um, is now in, in Babylon, and, and uh, Cyrus has been, he's died, and Darius has risen up, and then Artaxerxes becomes king. And so Ezra gets a passion from God to go back to Israel and to see what state the temple's in and, and to take the people back to Israel. And so Artaxerxes lets him go. There's another great name. There are just some fantastic names in the Bible, Artaxerxes. Uh, Artaxerxes sends him back and, and blesses him and actually... These kings just got melted by the presence of God because they just sent them back with goods. And so Ezra realizes what, what they've got. He, he looks around at everything that Artaxerxes has given him. And so he's got this whole company of Israelites, but you, you, you see they're, they're preachers. And um, you don't send, like I was, I was down at Crosslink Conference a few weeks ago. Now, we're not the type of people that you send to the front line of a war 
we really don't know how to handle weapons too well. We're, we're not the makeup. I look around the room and I'm thinking about the pastors in our network. They're not the first choice people I would have of walking into a terrorist cell or something like that. They're definitely not. If I was getting, walking down a dark alley at night and there were some guys coming at me, pastors are not my first choice people to be there at the time with. Some are. I've seen some part, and they're, they're, they're big guys, and I'm, I would be happy to be in the dark alley with them. They could look after me. But um, generally, we're, we're not fighters. And so this is who Ezra has with him. He's got a whole bunch of priests with him and, and heading back to Jerusalem, and it's a couple of days' journey. Now, if that was happening, that, that might be all right, but they have a bit of stuff with them. First of all, they have 34 metric tons of silver. Yeah, that's a lot of silver. That's a whole bunch of silver. They have eight tons of silver items that they're taking back to the temple. They have eight tons of gold. They have some money. They, you know how Jewish thing Jews have money? They, they, they walk back with the favor of God in there. And so Ezra realizes that this is a problem. They're about to be walking through other nations, a bunch of priests without weapons and a whole bunch of gold. And so he realizes there's an issue here. And so they went down to the river by the other canal and he, he, Ezra went, we have an issue, and he proclaimed the fast. And so they humbled themselves before our God and asked him for safe journey for us and our children with all our money, possessions it says, but really it's probably all our money. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road because we had told the king, the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. And so we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. So here's Ezra with all this money and all these priests and goes, okay, I've just talked up God. I've just told people how great he is. I've told the king how great he is. I better not ask for a few tanks for a squadron of F-111s to go, or what are they now, F-35s to come over the top of us. Uh, And I I better not ask for a whole bunch of M-16s to come along with us and Stiers to, to look after us. We better actually put our trust in God right now. And that's, this is one of those really neat verses in the Bible. We fasted, we petitioned, or we prayed, and God answered. So one of the really neat things that we find here, just a couple of quick points on it, is one of the things when we fast, what does it do? It brings protection. I think this year as a church, we could say this is something we need as a community and as a family here, the amount of attack that we have walked under and the amount of strife and and ground that the enemy's definitely taken. The enemy comes to rob, kill and destroy. We have had that happen in our church this year. We have had that happen in in people's lives across. People have been robbed, they've been killed, they've been destroyed um, through it. And I know next year one of the things we definitely need is protection. What do we need to do for that? We need to fast. We need to spend time humbling ourselves before God and going, okay, God, 
you're our protection. But here's the thing. Ezra didn't go to God and he didn't sit there and go, okay, we have this issue. Okay, how are we going to sort this out? How are we going to actually be protected from this? His first thing that he did was he got all those involved to fast. He didn't make plans before he fasted. We're going to be spending some time as a church praying and looking to next year and and what it means, and even my encouragement is in our own lives doing that. And so what I don't want us doing is going in with a headset and a mindset of, oh, this is what it's going to look like. This is what we're going to do. This is the plans. No, we need to come in, humble ourselves first and allow God to download the plans into us. The other thing that happened here is Ezra was the leader here. He could have just gone, okay, I'm going to go up and I'm going to find my own private place and I'm going to go and pray and I'm going to fast. You guys just wait there. I'll go to heaven about this. What I love about what Ezra did, he got the entire community that was with him going, this is all our problem. We're all in this together. We're all under attack right now. We've all got potential to lose our lives and lose all our stuff. So we need to do this together. And so that's why we're going to do this together as a church. We're going to join together in this because we're all in this. We're all in it. We all face it. We are all under whatever the enemy's trying to do to us as a church. Guess what? He's not just doing that to me. Not just doing it to Pastor Matt. Not just doing it to Brendan or leaders or worship leaders or anything. He does it to all of us. And so we all need to be in this together, working for the answer. And, and I love what, what happens in there. There's so much in, in this, and I'm just excited. We're going to ask him for safe journey for us and our children. I've been reading a whole bunch of testimonies this week about people who who enter into a fast at the beginning of each year and, and, and one of the things that they believe for there is for their children. And I shared a story this morning of a husband and wife that um, decided to turn their attention during a fa- period of fasting and believing for their two nieces, 14 and 16, and also for the wife's brother. And none of them were saved and all of them were into Buddhism. And so during this fast, they were praying for their souls, praying for the souls, praying for the souls. Half at the, near the beginning, what the 14-year-old girl got saved. Eight days later, the 16-year-old girl got saved. And then the wife called the brother, and he said, Oh, guess what? I've just given my life to Jesus. There's something about fasting that doesn't just affect us. I know there's many of us in the church that are praying for loved ones and believing for family. There's something specific and special about fasting that adds us to lining up to seeing loved ones come to know God and, and, and come to know the Lord as well. So I've got about 50 more notes I could talk about in this. I've been doing a lot of research and God's just exciting me, but I don't feel to overload our mind with a whole bunch of other stuff other than those couple of key points of being together in it, of protection 
and also um, for those that don't know Christ yet. There's a whole bunch of people we don't know about that. Father, we just uh, look forward to what you've got for us. Look forward to what you've got for us next year. We're, we're really excited about that. But I'm um, just excited about this whole prospect of us coming as a community of believers together and seeking you together. And there's, there's something that happens, God. You, you've made something happen when we join faith together and when we operate in faith together that, that more stuff happens. And so, Father, we just really want to position, and I ask for this time that you'd really speak to the hearts of, of our family here, of, of what this would look for, like for each of us individually. But, Lord, also that your blessing and favor would be on us and, Lord, that we would hear from heaven. Lord, I ask that you would protect us during this time. That, Lord, there's a whole bunch of people that, a whole bunch of us that, that just have little niggly sicknesses running around. And, Father, in Jesus' name, we just declare over ourselves tonight, that, that's enough. That needs to stop. Lord, we just declare just wholeness over our bodies. Lord, that coughs and sniffles just be gone in Jesus' name. Lord, we place ourselves under your kingdom and we just receive your kingdom right now. Father, because we want to walk in this with health, Lord. We believe as we just seek you and give ourselves to you and just commit ourselves to seeking heaven, Lord, that, Lord, healing will come in our midst. Lord, souls will come. Lord, that people will receive vision from heaven. People will receive the answer to the next step. People will just step out into something new. Lord, people will step into ministry for the first time in things. Lord, we thank you that fasting does that. We thank you that it gives direction for next seasons, that it passes on to a future generation, Lord. So, Lord, help us. Help us seek you. Father, help us really chase after you and receive everything of heaven that you've got for us and to really connect with it and, and just be enmeshed in the presence of God and in the presence of heaven. Oh, man. I just really want to grab hold of it all. something on you that you want to play? Or... Yeah. Okay. Why don't you go do that and um, let's just let the Holy Spirit do in us whatever he wants to do at the moment and uh, place inside us or, or do a work with anything that he wants to. And if you want someone to pray with you about anything that's going on right now, why don't you grab someone and do that? And um, Or if you feel the need to pray for something, why don't you do that as well? And let's just allow God to continue to work on a super